Downtown Eau Claire is the place to experience amazing restaurants, entertainment of all sorts, and unique local shops to find your new favorite thing. The Downtown Eau Claire Fall Festival is coming up on Saturday, September 16th, featuring more than 100 vendors, exciting family activities, and a 3 o'clock performance by the thrilling Blue Gold Marching Band. It all takes place on South Barstow Street. Learn more about this and other exciting upcoming events at downtowneauclair.org. Everyone talking the town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. We got a lot to get to today. Of course, we've got fallout and in many ways a conclusion to the Catherine Schaaf discussion from Tuesday night uh, with the Eau Claire County Board. We have a little bit of Movement with the town of Washington annexation, the town of Washington, city of Eau Claire annexation will remind you of our stance going forward uh, with that. And we got a couple of other things to get to as well. Uh, today, by the way, is a humongous day. Uh, if you went to work today, shame on your employer unless you go to you go to work for fun. And for socializing. Otherwise, if you go to work just to work, shame on your boss for making you work. Because today is a national holiday, September 7th. It's National Scott Montesano Day, the 42nd annual Scott Montesano Day. Uh, you can tell you're getting old, by the way, when you have to catch yourself a couple of times as to how old you actually are. There were a couple of times yesterday I started to tell people I was turning 43, but nay, nay, just 42, 42, uh, celebrating today and a you know nice birthday. The the family's putting together a lavish feast. I've got presents. I, I, all kidding aside, I do think you should treat your birthday like it is your own personal holiday. Um, if you are able to work wise, either take the day off. If you have control over your schedule, uh, whether you're a salesperson or things like that, try to not have as busy of a day or do what you want. If, if what you want is to be very busy, absolutely do that. But treat your birthday like it is your own personal holiday. And I sarcastically have a lot of fun with people. I, I am notoriously bad at remembering other people's birthday. Notoriously bad. Thank goodness Facebook exists. But I do expect people to remember mine. Uh, enjoy your birthday. Eat all that you want. Uh, hopefully you get some gifts. If you Maybe you have a party if you are of a certain age. But enjoy your birthday. Uh, don't be one of these people that poo-poo's your birthday or anything like that. And you don't even have to make it a huge deal with other people. But you yourself, it's an excuse for a celebration. No different than Mother's Day and Father's Day. And frankly, a lot of the religious holidays as well. They are something that breaks up the calendar and gives you an excuse to do something that you otherwise would like to do, but don't feel it's right to do. For instance, I went out to breakfast this morning. And I'll go out to breakfast by myself maybe once a month. But I went out to breakfast today. And enjoyed a nice big, I got the big breakfast. Usually don't get the big breakfast. 
I got the big breakfast on a Thursday morning. Felt good to do that. And speaking of which, yeah, one of those fun debates, uh, one of the things that still maybe keeps the Eau Claire Foodies Facebook page going, even though it's not what it was maybe a year ago, is the discussion of what's the best XYZ in town, and then you get flooded with comments. One of the things is, what's the best breakfast spot in town? And there's a lot of spots in town to get breakfast from the chain places to local places. And uh, I went this morning to Randy's, which is a spot I've gone to a few times now in the last four or five years. Randy's has been the spot that I go. And I've never gone there past, say, 9 o'clock in the morning. Um I, I I know they have lunch and dinner too, but I, I go there as a breakfast spot. It's not the most lavish decor in there. It's a spot straight out of 1982. But boy, does it get the job done. Nice tasty meal. The, the, the prices are what the prices are. It's, it's not as inexpensive as it was just a few years ago, but that's because supply demands and all of that. But I enjoy going to Randy's, good breakfast spot, enjoy that. They don't, they're don't. they obviously not a partner of ours. Uh, Cranky Buzzard is. I do want to check out their breakfast, uh, especially with their new menu. But breakfast spots are sort of like where you go for happy hour or, or if, you, if you're somebody that goes out for a couple beverages at night with friends. Uh, breakfast spots are a lot the same way. You find a good one, a lot of them are the same. A lot of places can make a good French toast, cook up some pancakes, make eggs. It's all pretty much the same thing, just like a bar. Every bar's got their Bud, their Miller, their Coors, uh, other special things on tap and what have you, but it's all beer. Same thing, eggs are eggs at a lot of places. So when it comes to breakfast spots, usually you find a spot and then, why go someplace else unless you want to try something different, which that's where something like Nucleus or Cranky Buzzard come into play because they do things a little higher end, a little different than some other places. But yeah, enjoy your birthday. I went to, to Randy's today, enjoyed myself, and uh, uh, I heavily endorse celebrating your birthday. Uh, speaking of celebrating our births, you usually start your life uh, coming out at a hospital. Boy, this is a great transition here. And we talked about this last week. It was kind of buried because it was the last week of August and you had Labor Day weekend. But HSHS and Purveya and also the Oakleaf system, their computer system was down the last week. And you heard about it in the news and maybe you were like me in which you had to go in for something. I had to go get some blood drawn. And then you saw how much of a mess it really was because the computers were all down at the offices. They had no idea. They had a hard time communicating with each other. I went to go get blood drawn. They had no idea I was coming. They had no idea what they were testing for, which it was just a simple blood draw. But you can see it was a colossal mess and people trying to access records online it was a mess and it's just now coming back online about a week and a half out and HSHS admitted through a press release uh, that it was a cyber attack that happened uh, they don't believe personal information and other things and they're kind of staying overall quiet because they 
are still doing the investigation and they don't really want when these cyber attacks happen they don't want to say too much because it impacts an investigation not only that it impacts perhaps future uh, nefarious parties from trying to do a cyber attack um, so you, you had that news come out that it was a cyber attack it again has not gotten an awful lot of coverage in the last few days and I'll tell you why I'm not up here gonna start sounding an alarm and whatnot because cyber attacks and we hear about these on a weekly basis nationally occasionally they're a huge huge deal like the one a couple years ago that involved the uh, the energy pipe the energy source down in the south was that an oil line I forget what it was, but remember, they ultimately paid a ransom. That company, they actually paid a ransom. But usually, you see these cyber attacks. And for a lot of us, cyber attacks are like tossing a gum wrapper on a trail. You see it in the paper. It's why you see just a small little blurb in the Lear Telegram, and nobody asked any follow-up questions to HSHS. Just let them get away with sending out their own press release. We know it's not good. These cyber attacks, you and I know they're not good, but we don't fret over it, even though eventually it may cause a problem. It's like a gum wrapper on a trail. It's one of those things that we as a society, as a whole, have decided this is part of the risk we have being as connected as we are with modern technology. It's not quite a sweeping under the rug situation, but it's sort of like the like people that have a mild lactose intolerance. I, I knew a couple people like this. They had a mild lactose intolerance. They would still have a hot food Sunday, knowing full darn well that night would not be good in the bathroom. But to them, it was worth the risk. We as a society have decided that at least as of now, it's worth the risk. And you saw this locally with HSHS, cyber attack. And we just sort of go, all right, well, it happened. Again, I, I, again, I'm not sitting here saying we should be upset about it. We should be upset about it. I'm just saying what it is. And maybe it's something we do have to kind of sit back and go, what can be done? And do we really want what could be done to be done? Uh, we're going to get to the Catherine Shaw thing here in a moment. But I did want to, before we get to that, touch on this. Because I saw this earlier this week. Did not touch on it. Uh, September is Suicide Awareness Month, Prevention Month. Um, it's one of those things that people don't really want to talk about. You think about the old, the, the, the old notion in the newspaper with the obituaries in which you know, you'd see somebody passed away and you know they, they wouldn't say they took their own life and there'd be other ways that it's written and whatnot. You know, we don't talk about suicide. It's for any number of reasons. Uh, but September is Suicide Prevention Month. And I think something that's important to bring up because it's definitely something that impacts our area. Suicides are on the rise among white middle-aged males. So people about mid-30s, upper 30s, right on through their 50s, right where I am. They're on the rise between for white middle-aged males. And saw a great article today, and I've seen it uh, elsewhere too. White middle-aged males are facing pressures 
that are many times dismissed or they feel like they're dismissed as quote-unquote right, white privilege problems, you're not allowed, you should not be upset about something. You have had so many privileges in your life. You should not be concerned about X, Y, Z. And because of that, uh, it's led to, and I, I'm very much paraphrasing here. Uh, I highly recommend you read up on this stuff yourself. But it's led to a number of issues, and one of them being mental struggles for a number of white middle-aged males who are trying to find a purpose, trying to find an outlet to be able to properly channel natural frustrations and pressures that we all have no matter what, uh, to not have them dismissed. And we also know even more locally and in this region, there's been increased pressures on those in rural areas because of not just various roles being brought up and maybe some of, again, the issues I've talked about here before where you know, some, some men, myself included, sometimes feel as though our concerns are dismissed as, well, you shouldn't be worried about that because that's a white privilege problem. And then in addition to that, in the rural areas, you have the stresses and the strenuous of the ever-changing farm landscape and a lack of, at times, mental health resources. And that's what we circle back to here is an encouragement. I hear more ads on it on the radio. I hear more ads on TV. And I'm going to be telling you all this too. It's not a stigma to talk to somebody. Now, there's another situation that we're going to have to eventually talk about, but not today, and that is a lack of mental health resources, even locally. If you need to talk to somebody today, and it's an emergency, you can talk to somebody today. But the reality is, talking to somebody isn't just always an emergency situation. It's trying to get a regular schedule, talking to somebody, uh, just letting somebody listen to you. And it's hard to get onto people's calendars. Sometimes there is a few-week wait. Uh, multi, you know, sometimes one- to two-month wait to get on. And that's because you do have a dearth of, of licensed me mental health uh, professionals. And we have to start looking into why. Is there a lack of people getting into it? I've also heard there's, all, there's a big issue with just trying to get through the red tape to get people licensed. So we do have to th address that as a society. But the thing I do want to tell all of you is that there should not, and I don't think there is a stigma to talking to somebody. If you want to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody. I do it. It's been life-changing in the last several months to talk to somebody. That's all I can tell you. You, you don't have to be on the verge of doing something physically harmful to yourself. You do not have to be in a situation where there's been a tremendous traumatic experience in your life. Get talking to somebody. Most insurances will cover it. Even if you just do it two or three times, talk to somebody, it's good. It's, it's, it's very much like going to get an oil change for your car. It's a checkup. It's a mental health checkup. 
And again, with this being Suicide Prevention Month, I think it's very important to bring up stuff like that. Well, moving on here, we, that brings us to uh, Catherine Schaaf. And uh, what really is, I think, viewed by many people, the conclusion. You know, we've, we've tried to close this DHS fiasco a few times in the last couple of years and a few times in the last several months. I think now not only have we closed it, but we've gone through the end credits and the end credit scenes that some of those superhero movies like to have. I think we truly are done with the DHS situation. And at the end of everything, Nick Smyre ends up being booted as the county board chair a month and a half ago. But Catherine Schaaf, the county administrator, in a fairly close vote on Tuesday, does survive as the county administrator. She got through on a 16 to 11 vote, uh, which, by the way, now to nitpick a little bit at the local media, if you woke up on Tuesday morning and you were watching WQOW, their story was that the motion was tabled. But EAU properly had that they did vote, and Catherine Schaaf was voted out 16 to 11. So that's something that QOW has got to look at. Uh, why, you know, why, the, why the heck did, uh, did, was it initially tabled and then they voted? You know, we'll, we'll figure that out. But... All we know is, regardless of who had the story right or wrong, and in this case it was EAU, 16 to 11, Catherine Schaaf stays on as the county administrator. Now, I think, we've been through this long before, I think she did enough to lose her position. People that have done far less than what she has done are losing their jobs today in the private sector. In this case, she obviously took the side of the DHS as opposed to the public. She was combative towards investigators. She encouraged people to help slow roll the investigation. She didn't want the investigation. She was like a kid that had a messy room. Knew it was messy. Knew there were issues going on, but didn't want to let the parents in to look around because they wanted to clean it up themselves and go, I'll just handle it. You know, innocent mistakes happen. We'll clean it up. We'll take care of it ourselves. It doesn't work that way, Catherine. It doesn't work that way. All that said, it is time to move on entirely. It's time to move on. I do think this is a permanent stain on Catherine Schaff. It is, if you're on my side here, it is annoying that one went down, but it's unfortunate that she didn't go down too because... You can tell in her comments, she has no remorse, she's very egotistical, she is defiant, she doesn't think she did anything wrong with what she did. I don't think she, she in her way, in her, in her idea, yeah, there was issues with the DHS, but you all just, you, you, you guys just have to let me handle this. No, it's not your job to handle it. And clearly you weren't, but we have other things to focus on, and that's what's going to be the case going forward. The county's got other things to focus on. We move on from there. And the, 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 the good news out of all of this is that in the last couple of years, you haven't heard much out of the DHS. 
the the budgetary issues have been fixed in the last couple of years. Uh, things seem to be moving by much more smoothly. The only time you're now going to start having maybe this kind of get kicked up once in a while is that more resources now do have to go to the DHS. As I said, when this whole thing began, in the earliest days of our podcast, we had to clean this up and get to the bottom of it, of it all because we do have to spend more on the DHS, but before we can justify spending more, we've got to make sure that where our money's going is not just going into a campfire or into some of the luxurious travel that was going on with the DHS. Uh, by the way, I, I took a shot at QOW a moment ago. Go back and watch their uh, report from back in June, though. Now, that was grade A reporting that they did. Uh, that report back in June. Uh, let's not forget the, the DHS part of this whole thing. They, they were paying for overnight stays in the Twin Cities. And you could try to explain it all you want. It's, it's like anything in life. All right. If somebody anybody can explain anything. Everybody's got a little BS in all of them. That still doesn't mean it's the right call. You can justify anything. Still doesn't mean it's the right call. Uh we're not going to touch on this too much. But the uh, the town of Washington last week uh, filed under the lawsuit with the DNR and all that. Uh, town of Washington and the city of Eau Claire lawsuits flying like leaves during a fall windstorm uh, as the t as the annexation. That'll become the big that'll become more of a topic here in the next few weeks that we will touch on. It's been a point of contention now for almost two years. A reminder where we stand, and remember, if you're smart, you're siding with Uncle Scotty here, simply put, expanding the urban footprint of our community is necessary. Expanding the urban footprint is necessary if we are to continue to grow. And I come back to this. People are hypocrites. People are hypocrites. Met a person over the spring, and I didn't want to talk about it as much back then. You could have, you could have circled as to who it was, because it was a guest on a program of ours. But I met a person over the spring that was all about growing. This area needs to grow even more. So many people want to come to the area. We got to grow, and talked about expanding housing and where there could be development and expanding out. This person had moved with their family to this area from San Francisco, where housing prices, of course, are through the roof. This person spoke for 15 minutes about you got to expand the you got to expand where housing is. We need more housing and you need more uh, residential housing, not just apartments, but you need more residential areas. So then this individual and I was talking to them with somebody else. Then the topic of, well, geez, the town of Washington, you know, we, that's why we've got to uh, get this town of Washington annexation going. And, oh, no, this individual went, oh, no, no, can't expand there. We can't expand there and started to go, oh, it's, th that's not where you want to expand. You don't want to expand this annexation and started pulling out every one of the loopholes that there are that... People are trying to pinpoint. Turns out that's where she lives is right near where this annexation would occur. She lives right near where this annexation would occur. And 
She has land there. She raises some horses. This is a rather well-to-do individual, and they'd be the first one to let you know that they're rather well-to-do. But she's got horses, and no, 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 that you're ruining the area if you expand there. So she wants it, she wants it everywhere else except where she is. She is like a lot of people we have hammered on this program. She is living there wanting the rural life without living in a rural area. And that is unfair to the overall growth of the community and comes with the risk that this will happen if you live there. If you buy a plot of land in a community, let's say you buy a plot of land you know, in any sort of community and you're on a block and there's a couple of empty plots around you and they've been open plots for for decades you bought the house plots were empty 15 years go by and the plots have been empty and then all of a sudden somebody wants to build on that plot build another house well how that's going to change everything it's going to change my view of the backyard the deer aren't going to be able to walk by i understand change stinks change stinks and that's why i keep going back to Instead of this being an all-or-nothing proposition, this should be, this is going to happen, but what would you like in return for this to happen? And then there are some other, and we can go deeper into this as far as the, the way the development has started to change a little bit does bring some pause, because remember, that development has started to look more like it's going to be dual family homes and apartments and they're talking about putting in gas stations at whoa, whoa, whoa some of that stuff i think there was going to be a gym or an ice cream shop or something in one of the last proposals i saw those are things that eventually yeah where you have people living you want to have some other services don't necessarily know if it has to be an ice cream shop but right now we're just we're just talking about housing and we were talking one of the main reasons why somebody like me is, is going to bat for you on this is this is going to be residential, you know, single family homes, single family homes, and maybe sprinkle in some duplexes. Not in duplexes are things that people can buy and uh, can still become theirs and they take care of the lawn and all that. We Not apartments. So there are those issues there, but the simple idea of, making that residential is where we are right now. And that'll become more of a discussion in the next few uh, few weeks. Uh, a couple things to wrap up the program today. Altoona Fire and Rescue received a $33,000 grant from Firehouse Subs. That news coming down in the last couple of days. And that's something good to see there. If you ever eat at Firehouse Subs, they always offer up a chance to make an extra donation and you wonder, oh, where's that actually going to go? And it feels good to give the donation. Well, that's good marketing on their behalf and good for our area. $33,000 donation to the Altoona Fire and Rescue. Captain Chad Peterson, extremely grateful as you would expect. All purchases of some in various individual equipments for firefighters. Those are, those are all things that will not chew into the annual budget. $33,000, and if you go through the list of stuff they got, it's not like they bought one thing, got a bunch of things. That's $33,000 that 
the area does not have to spend. So good job by Firehouse. And then last but not least, uh, this weekend at the Oakwood Mall, there's going to be this like paranormal circus, this kind of kind of haunted circus they're going to have. Uh, you may have seen them setting up in the parking lot, uh, part of the parking desert that is around the Oakwood Mall. Uh, these parking lot events are not bad. Um, you see these circuses come into Oakwood Mall once in a while. Uh, there's been dog shows that have come in. There's been other things. Those aren't bad, utilizing that parking desert, but eventually I'd like to see the Oakwood Mall really start to make a turn to what its next life is going to be. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, you hear more rumblings of it. We've already heard the city starting to do its own research, which I think is very good. We heard that last year. Uh, there's been all this talk of downtown, all this focus on downtown, rightfully so, but the smart person that plays chess is playing two or three steps ahead. And downtown is taking care of itself now. Things are going good. Let's keep it going. But if you're the city of Eau Claire, the Oakwood Mall area is the next area that you are looking at and what can be done around that mall area. The, the area around the mall is actually flourishing with a bunch of doctor's offices and things of that nature, uh, the crumble cookie and the caribou and all that. But what about where that Oakwood Mall is? And if I don't see the Oakwood Mall completely shuttering at any point, there's been other malls that have closed around the country doesn't look like the Oakwood Mall would just flat out close if you walk in there still kept up very well inside of there and there is a oddly enough a, a decent amount of uh, there's still a decent amount of uh, of stores that are in there but looking ahead to what the next stage of it would be all right we're back with you on tuesday another edition of talk of the town and it looks like that one will be a live edition as well on behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible i'm scott Montesano, saying there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day make sure to take advantage of it and until next time so long everybody